we're going to start this morning like we have for the past several weeks. Uh, we're going to review our uh, firehouse memory verse for the week. So um, if you uh, are in the process of memorizing that, you uh, might turn to the person next to you, and we're going to do a, a check on your memory verse. If you have not been memorizing, well, then have someone maybe sit nearby you share their verse with you, and you can look up at the at the answer up here and make sure they get it right. So you can test them, make sure they get it right. And then we will have, a, we will take a volunteer. We'll give you about one minute to do this, but we will have a volunteer to uh, uh, share your verse. If you think you have it memorized, uh, just share that for us all this morning. So anyway, it takes about a minute and we'll, we'll get going with that. Someone, do we have uh, a brave, uh, some brave soul that wants to share their memory verse in front of everyone? Any, any volunteers? Last week we had about four volunteers, but they're all pointing at Ned. Uh, this week, I don't know. Anyone, any brave souls out there? I heard Jen, I heard Andrew. Jen? Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's running the slides, so make sure she doesn't rush it. Okay. going to bring a mint from the girls' bathroom to give to you, but I guess they're they're out of mints today, so. But I did find a biscotti for you, Jen, right here. Try to, can you catch this? We'll try not to hit anybody. Oh, yeah! Good, good. Interception by Jeremy there. All right. Okay, well, uh, we'll keep going to see here. We are, we're going to try to I guess you could say kill two birds with one stone this morning. Nothing against little birds, but um, uh, we're basically going to try to wrap up the extreme makeover series that we've been doing here, while at the same time uh, use uh, Acts chapter 10 as a framework for that. So we have been uh, going through the book of Acts until we started this series, but we're going to try to get back on track here to start Acts 10 and then we'll continue uh, 11 and 12 the next couple Sundays here. But uh, I think there's an overlap here in what we want to talk about from the Extreme Makeover series with what we see happening in Acts chapter 10. So by the grace of God, it, it will work out this morning that way. So, And uh, we'll just start by praying for that. 
and and then we'll read uh, Acts chapter 10 together. Guys, we'll lift us our heads together and we'll pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we do uh, we do just look to you this morning. We ask that you would uh, meet us here. I ask that the next uh, few minutes we are together that you would uh, use them for eternity. Use them to strengthen our faith or to bring us to faith. Uh, we just ask that it would be an encouraging time for every person here. I ask that you would open up a channel, Lord, through me to each heart here, that you would speak clearly to every person. Um, we thank you that your word is living and active. It speaks to us today. It works on us. Um, we thank you that it accomplishes what you desire. Every time it goes out, we pray that you would accomplish what's on your heart this morning. Uh, we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, so you have your handouts here. Got a few blanks to fill in, so um, hopefully we'll keep you busy that way. Um, but we're going to read through Acts chapter 10 here, and we're really just going to go through the chapter fast and focus on the very end of the chapter here. The very end of the chapter has um, Peter sharing the gospel with, um, with Cornelius and his household in, in Caesarea. And, and they, were, um, they were kind of uh, not the traditional people who had heard the gospel up to this point in the book of Acts. They are, they are called Gentiles, for those of you who know the word Gentiles, it also just means non-Jews. And so um, I had a subtitle for this, but my wife, well, it was the actual title, but I've moved it to the unofficial subtitle. But the title was going to be The Good News for the Non-Jews. So that's that's the unofficial subtitle for this morning, but she was probably right in her thinking there. But uh, anyways, try to get a rhyme, try to get a little meaning all in one there, but... Um, we're going to start, if you have your house Bible, it's page 1088, if you haven't turned there yet. And we're just going to read um, read through this whole chapter, and we're just going to focus in on the end, and then kind of summarize it, how it relates to the most extreme makeover you could ever have in this life. So, um, let's just read along. Chapter 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and his and all his family were, were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day about three in the afternoon he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, uh, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who had spoken to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they uh, were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. And a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, uh, the men 
sent by Cornelius, found out where Simon's house was, and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the, the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, they started out. Uh, he start, Peter started out with them and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. And I asked why he sent for me. Cornelius answered, Four days ago, when I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is... He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. Um, So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear Him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace, through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with, with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Whew! Good. Good passage there. Um, quite, a, quite a long chapter, but um, we are going to 
look at three basic components of this uh, of this chapter here. And the first one is basically we're going to see what we can learn about the good news that Peter shared with the Gentiles. And um, we need to make sure we don't confuse it that there's two different messages. There's like a message for the Jews and then a message for the non-Jews that are completely different. Uh, it's the same message. The same message, the good news of Jesus. Um, I think when it's shared with those who don't have the Jewish background and tradition, there's some things that are maybe a little different, but it's the same message at heart. You know, they don't quote as much from the prophets because a lot of the non-Jewish people go, oh, I don't even know who Isaiah is or Jeremiah or some of the other prophets, but they, they include all the same basic components here. So we're just going to look at some things we can learn from, from this message here. The first one is this. You know, if you're going to come away with one thing from chapter 10 of Acts, let's see again. There we go. Let me reverse again. He just said the good news. This is one you can come away. It's your first blank as well. What we find out in Acts, what Peter found out in Acts chapter 10, is that this good news about Jesus is for everyone. It is for everyone. You can tell in uh, Peter's thinking and his conversation, initially they thought this good news about Jesus was only for the Jews. You see that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. They had the prophets that spoke of his coming to be the Savior. Um, they had the words of God, and it was thought maybe he's just for the Jews. And everyone else, you know, you're going to have to figure things out. Tough luck. We've got Jesus, and, you know, you're going to have to figure out this whole God thing on your own. But uh, in, in Acts chapter 10, it's just crystal clear that this good news is for everyone. There's several places where it makes mention of everyone who believes um, receives forgiveness of sins. Jesus is the Lord of all, not just of the Jews. He's the Lord of all. Some different things here. But first point, uh, this good news is for everyone. Um, the next one is, as Peter's sharing, he kind of quotes a few things that he knows that they know. Um, the next blank we have here is that uh, they knew about the message, the life and the message of Jesus of Nazareth. If, if you read, you know, really, um, we're going to follow along starting about verse 34 and just uh, look at some things to the end here but he started talking to him and first he said now I know God doesn't show favoritism God's love is not limited to one nation uh, it's for everyone on the planet and so um, you know that's how he starts things off and then the next thing he says is you know the message of God sent to the people of Israel basically you've heard this message of good news for the Jews um, and and he just kind of brought that to their attention. Then he goes on to say another thing. And you know everything that's happened in Judea, beginning in Galilee, um, from you know the baptism of John, John the Baptist, and then how Jesus was anointed and the miracles that he did. And he's saying, look, here's a few things you know. I think it's uh, so that was your blank there. There's some things they knew. I, I think it's cool to, to realize sometimes Jesus is referred to as Jesus of Nazareth, and. I don't know if that means a lot to you, but what I get out of that is Nazareth is a real city that a real person lives, that the real God came in real flesh to a real location. And, and they knew this city. As a matter of fact, Caesarea was closer to Nazareth um, than Jerusalem was. It was almost twice as close to uh, Nazareth as Jeru- Jerusalem was. So they knew, they knew about Jesus, but they, they probably were thinking, hey, you know, this Jesus, he seems awesome, he's doing miracles, and, and he's for the Jews, the Savior of the Jews. But then, you know, Peter continues to share the story here. Um, 
Peter goes from what they knew to what he knew. And we see in here he talks about, he says, uh, so here's some things you knew about. This is common knowledge in your neck of the woods there. They were not far from Nazareth or Galilee. And they knew a lot of these things. But then he says, we are witnesses of everything he did um, in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead. And then he just goes on to say, not everyone saw him after uh, he rose from the dead but we saw him. You know, I love how it says this here. Um, He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And Peter was just saying, um, you you might not have been there for this, you might not have caught this, but here's what I caught. He, He lived, he did these miracles, he died on the cross, and on the third day he rose again, just like he said he would. And we witnessed it. You know, you remember earlier in Acts that it was... Chapter 1 just said to these original witnesses, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and they were there, and in um, all Judea and Samaria, and that's where they're speaking to now, and then uh, to the ends of the earth. And so Peter was in the process of being a witness into the area of Samaria and uh, the outreaches of Judea there. But let's see, Peter was a witness of the resurrection. Keep going. Peter mentioned also that Jesus is Lord of all. That's something we want to catch. He was not just the Lord of the Jews and like everyone else, they got to the planet on their own, they figured out another way. He is the Lord of all creation, of the earth and everyone who lives in the world. As Psalm 24 tells us, um, he was the Lord of all. And so he, he made a specific note of that in there. You know, he's the creator of all, therefore the Lord of all. And and that was a part of the message that he included there. This message is included another time when they share with the people, um, I think in Athens, who did not have the same Jewish background, but he said, Jesus is the Lord of all. And then he goes on to say, um, therefore, because he's the Lord of all, and he proved that he was the Lord of all because he overcame death. He did this supernatural life. He uh, experienced death as a substitute for those who would believe, and then he overcame death. And that really proves that he was the judge of all, that he was Lord of all, even over death, and that he would be the judge of all. One thing we want to catch here, I think it's verse uh, 42. It says, uh, verse 42 says, He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Jesus was the one whom God appointed. And I'm... there's a one thing I want to make sure we catch is sometimes this phrase the living and the dead comes up and I, I think we can kind of miss what that means what does the living and the dead mean to you? a lot of times we just think in natural human terminology okay, living like you're alive walking around your body still you're dead you're not in your body anymore you're dead but we see often in the Bible and in the New Testament Jesus has a different vocabulary when it comes to the living and to the dead there was one time where the little girl was dead and he said, no, she's just asleep. She's not dead, she's just asleep. Um, and another time they're talking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and he said, hey, you guys are wrong. They're not dead, they're alive. God is the God of the living and he references these who we would think are dead. You know, a lot of times the New Testament when it talks about the living and the dead it's really referring to your relational status with God. Your relational status with God. If you, your relationship is connected with God you're called alive 
there is life because you're connected to the source of life. If that relationship has been severed by sin, then you're dead. And all of us, you know, it says there's a place Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, as for you, you were dead in your sins and transgressions. And it's like, well, you, you know, you're talking to us. How can we be dead in our sins and transgressions? He was talking about the relationship with God was severed. They were separated from God. And, and so he's going to be the judge of the living and the dead. Not just the people that are walking around on the planet now and the people that are in the graves. He will be the judge of everyone who is connected with God, who's had that relationship with God restored through faith in Jesus Christ. He will also judge everyone who has rejected God and the uh, salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. He will be the judge of them. And um, Another thing to think about here is just this idea of Jesus being the judge. You know, um, the reason he's the judge, again, is because he is the Lord of all creation and it is only right for him to be able to judge his creation. He's laid out eternal laws of this world that we live in. And when we break those laws, well, who should we account to but the creator of our lives and this world we live in? And sometimes I think there can be, um, you know, people can say, uh, they can say, you know, don't judge me. Who are you to say that I have to come before God and I have to give account of my life? You know, stop judging me. And, you know, I would just want to share with people that we're just telling you what the Bible says here. We didn't make this up. We didn't write it. This is just what they were saying. Jesus in uh, John chapter 5 said, The Father has given me all authority to judge. Here it's said again, He will judge um, the living and the dead. And sometimes I liken it to um, the idea of like there's some states where you can drive and I don't know if you've seen these. Some states where you drive the speed limits and if you go over, they have these big signs posters like, okay, if you're 5 to 10 miles over, you know, a $50 fine. And if you're 20 to 30 miles and over, a $100 fine. Any of you know those states? I think Wyoming might be one of them. I don't know if Nebraska. There's a few states that have these things posted. And then, you know, the last one's like, if you're going this far over, they're going to throw you in jail right away. Um, but in a lot of ways, what we have as Christians, we have, uh, it's posted how things are going to pan out. It's posted how the judge is going to rule. Jesus himself said, everyone's going to be in two camps. Matthew 25, he said, you're either going to be in the eternal punishment camp or you're going to be those who are righteous through faith in the eternal life camp. And, and sometimes people can say, stop judging me. Who are you to say? And, and it's kind of like if you're riding with someone in a car and they pass this speed limit sign and they're going 95 and you calculate, okay, you're going 20 miles over the speed limit here. The sign there says $100 fine. You know, and if you tell that to your friend who's driving... You know, it'd be like your friend saying, stop judging me. You know, I'm not judging you. That's just what the sign said. That's just what the law says. This is when you show up in the courtroom. This is how they're going to rule it, you know. The same is true. When you come before Christ, this is how he's going to rule it. But he's laid it out crystal clear in the New Testament. There's one name by which you can be saved, you know. And, and Jesus will be the judge. And he paid the price on the cross for everyone's sin. And so if someone would come before him and say, you know, you didn't need to do that for me. I found a different way. Or I wasn't that bad of a person that you had to die. We'll all come before the one who paid for our sins, either as you know, celebrating that he paid for us or come and stand before the one who thinks didn't have to do that for you. And you know, our hope here at this church, my hope is that none of you would ever appear before your Creator having rejected the loving work that he did on the cross for you. Um, the last thing here, kind of the crux of his, the good news message is basically in verse 43 here. 
it says um, all the prophets testify about him uh, referring to Jesus uh, that see here that everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sin through his name and we need to catch you know the good news it centers around Jesus and what he did the name of Jesus um, one point I just want to make that your blank is obviously believe in Jesus and receive forgiveness of sin that's kind of the crux of the good news if you believe he, he died on the cross for you your, your punishment is paid for you know you don't have to serve the eternal consequences that his law says you've earned if you don't believe that then you will have to pay for eternity there but uh, the point here the blank is it's, it's all about Jesus sometimes we get into religion and it's like you know well I think we talk about God and we talk about Lord if you've had a church background at all you know of referring to God as Lord or God um, sometimes we refer to God generically and you know I think we we have to catch something here from the scriptures that's fairly clear it's kind of like um, referring to God generically is like referring to you and I as generically you know it'd be like if instead of us talking to say hey woman um, how's your day going man how are you doing what about you man and, and you man and hey woman over there um, it's just really generic you know <clears throat> but sometimes we're like that with God we say Lord and we say God but you know how, what have we been given to identify us individually we've been given a name we've been given a name and I can say Katie and I can say Daryl or I can say Kent but you know God has represented himself in this world by one name one name he chose to represent himself by and that is by the name of Jesus Christ and um, that name you know it's, it's fun to hear other languages that use their language to translate the name of Jesus and uh, you know you hear Yeshua you hear things I was watching the news the other day and there was this orphanage in Africa and they were singing a song in the background and every now and again you hear this name and they were singing basically in their native tongue the name of Jesus I don't think the news people knew that but anyone who has a clue about what Jesus' name sounds like in different languages you go they're singing about Jesus and you probably don't even know they're singing a praise song on national TV on the news right now Um, but there's one name and that's why Jesus can say this you know he's the judge and that's why he says this I think of Matthew 7 um, and he's talking to some very religious people they know about Lord they know about God they probably you know maybe even done some things using his name but it says this in uh, Matthew 7 and 21 not everyone who says to me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven many will say to me on that day on judgment day Lord, Lord did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons and perform many miracles and then Jesus says this then I will tell them plainly I never knew you Lord God and Jesus will say I never knew you I never made your acquaintance you know the name I represented myself in this world by Jesus Christ and if you have not prayed to receive Jesus Christ and believe that he died on the cross for you you will come before him and you might have some generic yeah Lord God or oh yeah Jesus now I believe salvation is through faith through faith and once you see Jesus there's no more room for faith it'll be very real everyone's going to believe when they come before Christ but um, he says you can be saved by believing um, through faith in what I've done for you and so you just need to make sure don't miss the name there's a number of times that I'll, 
I'll talk to people and explain the good news about Christ, and we'll get to, to praying, and, and they sometimes just skip the name of Jesus altogether. And it's like, well, do you believe Jesus died for you? Yeah, I believe it. Do you? Okay, well, why don't you thank Him? And, and then I say, Lord or God, and I say, well, why don't you just thank Jesus for dying for you? Because that's the name by which you can be saved. Acts, you might know Acts 4, 12 says, there is no other name given to men by which you must be saved. And so we need to, we need to catch that. It's just extremely important. It may seem like a little thing, um, but it's the difference between life and death, really. Um, how did they respond? Let's look at their example here. The first thing we just want to put this blank here is um, I like how verse uh, 33 just says, you know, we've gathered. Cornelius is saying, man, I've got my whole family. I brought the whole neighborhood. Now, what he had to tell us here um, in verse verse 33. Um, so I sent for you immediately. It was good for you to come. Now, we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And one of the things uh, we can learn from their example is they listened. They had a heart to listen. Uh, many times I've come across people on campus in different places where, you know, they, they had Freshman 101. And in Freshman 101, they learned all the different reasons why they don't, don't have to believe the Bible, why Jesus is just a folk story, and they're done. You know, they just got enough info. Or someone else, and they got creative enough to go online to some website of atheists, and they have enough reasons why, why they don't need to listen. But um, this group of people, they listened. They listened um, intently. They were just waiting to hear what Peter was going to tell them. And I think we have to catch that example. You know, um, this guy was a Roman. He wasn't a Jew. He wasn't someone who was... He had heard, somehow he would heard about Jewish practices. He kind of was practicing on his own. Um, he learned some things about God. But he, he was not... Uh, he was not a Jewish, Jewish person. He didn't have a religious background like that. Somehow he, he learned some things. And um, eventually, you know, it said he was praying. You've you got to wonder, what was he praying? I wonder if it wasn't something like, show me how to worship you in a way that's acceptable to you. Show me who you really are. Show me something here, you know, that, that the answer was, he brought Peter to tell him about Jesus. And, uh, but they had a heart to listen. And sometimes people ask the question, what about those people who've never heard about Jesus? What about those in places, you know, in Africa or in other places that haven't heard? And I think we have to catch something here. We see in this example, we see it several times in Acts, is that God has given us some things uh, in life that kind of point us to Him. There's some different things. One, He's given us creation. There's several places. Uh, Psalm 19, Acts 17, Romans 1 says, God has made some things very plain in the creation that point to a Creator. Um, another thing he's given us is a conscience. Romans chapter 2 says, you know, whether you're religious or not, whether you're Jewish or not, you have a conscience. You know right and wrong. That's another thing you have. Another thing it says, Ecclesiastes says, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. <clears throat> set eternity in the hearts of men. Every person has wired into their heart a sense of eternity. Some people might say, oh, I just die, it's over, I get recycled. God says you put a sense of eternity in you. And you have to overlook that to believe something else. Those are just a few of the basics there. Then he sent witnesses, people who actually saw Jesus, people who actually touched Jesus after the resurrection. We have the records here. It's called the New Testament. And he's given us his Holy Spirit that does things just on our own heart, nudges us and prompts us in things. But you know, um, 
God has given us some of these basic things and if someone chooses to, to not respond to them, to not receive the truth He's revealed to them, the light that He's given them, God is not obligated to do another thing. If someone doesn't believe in a Creator, if someone uh, just tries to defy their conscience, deny their conscience, if someone just passes over the, the sense of eternity that they have in their soul, God is not obligated to say, not only is there a Creator, but His Son has come to this planet in person. Um, God is not obligated to do that. If people don't respond to the light that He gives them in the truth, He doesn't have to go beyond that. Conversely, you can catch here in this example is that someone who responds to what they know about God, this Roman officer, he knew something about God. He knew that you could pray to God. He knew that God, God uh, enjoyed that you give to the poor, that you help the poor. He knew somehow God's heart on that. And what happened? God sent someone to tell him about Jesus, his son. He responded to the truth. He responded to the light that God had given him. You know another case where that happened? Book of Acts, chapter 8. It was an Ethiopian, uh, an official uh, from Africa, that somehow had heard about this God of the Bible, the God of the Jews. He had actually come all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship the God that he knew about. And what happened to him along the way? God sent Philip to tell him about Jesus. This guy was trying to figure it out. He's reading Isaiah and it's talking about this lamb that came and was slaughtered and this guy's like, I don't get it. Philip came right up alongside the chariot and said, you know, I'm talking about Jesus. Jesus died for you. He said he believed and he got baptized right there on the spot. Another example of this, uh, Acts chapter 19, talks about these followers of John the Baptist. They were John's disciples and John's message was, hey, you know, repent because someone's coming who, who could save you. And these guys followed him and somehow they followed him to uh, back then with Asia but they hadn't heard that Jesus ever came. All they knew was John and John the Baptist. And so the people showed up there. Paul shows up there and says, oh yeah, John was talking about Jesus. And then they, they got saved. You know? And so we just need to know that. God is not obligated. If someone doesn't want to listen, if someone just closed down their heart, snuffed their conscience, you know, um, God doesn't have to do much more than He's already done to many people. So keep that in mind. Make sure you have a heart to listen if you're still trying to figure this out. The next point here is um, they heard the message. Uh, the blank I think we have there is just in parentheses. Really what they're saying there is these guys were listening and they caught it. They heard. They believed what Peter shared with them. Just like uh, when Peter was first preaching to the Jews, the Jews believed and they received the Holy Spirit. The same thing happened here. They're listening about Jesus. They believe. Jesus is the one that God appointed to be judged. He is the one that died on the cross, overcame death, and they came to believe in Him. And so, um, you know, that's, uh, that's the next one. So we're going to keep cruising here. Um, then in response to that, God gave him the Spirit. You see here in, in verse, uh, let's see, while, while you're speaking, verse 44 and 45, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And really, and again, heard implies they received, they believed this message that Peter was sharing with them and they received the Holy Spirit. And then we see what happens here to these Gentiles. The Gentiles received the same sign from the Spirit that the Jews did. Remember we talked about that early in the book of Acts, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why were these people speaking in tongues? There's only three locations in the whole Bible where the gift of tongues was used like this. This is the second one. They heard about Jesus, and they believed in Him, and they were given the Spirit to speak 
other languages. And the reason why was it was such a huge deal for the Jews to the Jews to be united with the Gentiles. You see, God was placing them in the same body, the body of Christ. And the Jews were so separate from everyone else and they just thought there's no way these other people you see it in here so many times it's just kind of like they were like scratching their heads going I guess other people can get saved too you know it's just like this light bulb went off but God had to wire this special sign into it that hey the Jews they spoke in other languages when they received Christ and so did the Gentiles and this confirms you're going to be a part you're placed into the same body of Christ through the same spirit and, and that was a gigantic sign right there and then after that what happened well they got baptized next point here is they got baptized um, Jesus said go make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and, and so Peter was reasoning was hey look they received the Spirit the sign the supernatural sign of speaking in other languages uh, declaring the, the glories of God in other languages and well we got baptized and after that and they should get baptized too and so they were baptized so that's how they responded they listened they were ready to receive a message they heard it and believed it God gave them his spirit and then they were baptized and that's that's an example that we could follow today we most of us qualify as Gentiles as well we are the good news for the non-Jews right here um, except for maybe Brad we think Brad might have a little Jewish background himself there so the rest of us Gentiles here. We're so glad he fellowship with us. But uh, we've all been placed into the same body together. Those the Jews and the non-Jews, we're all part of the same body. And the thing we're going to end here with um, the extreme makeover part of it. Try to bring it all together here. Um, but the last point, the last section we have here is uh, the most extreme makeover. This is really, I think, if if we respond to the good news like they did here in Acts chapter 10 like Cornelius and his family did I believe we will go through the most extreme makeover that is, that is possible in this life on earth and it is you know I think about some of these extreme makeover TV shows they take a house and they demolish it and they build it up and it's kind of cool sometimes they're really messy and they just wipe, wipe it clean sometimes they remodel and do different things but when you think about the makeover that your life gets when you come to believe in Jesus Christ well this is what we're going to look at here it's unbelievable and I just put a number of verses here and for those of you that have come to faith in Jesus Christ you believe he died for you you've invited him into your life as your Lord and Savior these are things that maybe you need to be reminded and renewed and refreshed in if you haven't come to faith in Christ if you haven't believed he died for you this is something these are all promises that hold true for you when you come to that point and so the first one is this uh, you get a new record your record of your sins is replaced you, you get a record if you put one word off to the side you can put forgiven you go from a life that's guilty and full of sins myself included each one of us and you get a new record you get stamped forgiven and that's an awesome deal every sin you've ever done in your life you think through the worst things you've ever done the worst sins the ones that stand out to you from your past or something forgiven paid for cleansed done deal it's an awesome thing you get a new record um, you get a new birth and I love this passage when Jesus is talking and he came into the world he came to his very own people 
the Jewish people and they did not receive him. And uh, I'll just read this real quick thing. John 1, 12 and 13. This is a, an awesome promise here. Um, I'll even back it up a little bit. Um, he came to that which was his own, yet his own did not receive him. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent or of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. When you come to believe in Jesus Christ, you get a new birth, you can put off to the side, reborn. You get a new family, God is your father. And you um, become a child of God. Which also carries with it, well, you know, if you receive Christ and you receive Christ, and I receive Christ, we're all children of God. What does that make us? Brothers and sisters. You get a new family. Um, with God as a father, brothers and sisters of everyone who also has received Christ. Um, so reborn. Another thing you get, dream make of you become a new person. Anyone remember our memory verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You get a new creation. Titus uh, 3.5 talks about, it talks about the, the rebirth um, and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the word you can put off to the left here, maybe the theological word they use, you get regenerated. You get made a new you by the Holy Spirit. That's an awesome thing. The old life, the old record, the old tendencies you have, gone. And a new you is there that has the same DNA as your father. Holy, pure, blameless. That's the tendency of everyone who's been made a new creation. Um, so we generate the next thing you get here. You get a new owner. You know, I put down maybe a capital O on this. You get a new owner. You get a new master, a new Lord. Um, several verses talk about this. I love this one in First Corinthians 6. Some of you might know this already. If you believe that, that Jesus died for you, that He shed His blood for you, then this is uh, there's you know there's another side of the deal here as well. It's a purchasing effect. Um, it says this at the end of First Corinthians 6. Um, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Do you believe Jesus died on the cross for you by the shedding of His blood? You've got a new owner, and it's not you. You've got a new boss, and it's not you. It's the Lord Jesus. Uh, Revelation 5.9 just talks about how He purchased men with His blood. Um, from every nation, tribe, language. Um, this John is a really awesome one here as well. Let me just read that real quick. I was talking to a guy recently who's just kind of like, you know what happens if I come to believe in Jesus, I invite Him in my life, and I turn away from Him? What if I just let go of Him? What happens? Well, here's what happens. Uh, John 10, let me put this. Uh, Jesus speaking here says talking to those who are his the chief he says I give them eternal life they shall never perish no one can snatch them out of my hand my father who has given to me is greater than all no one can snatch them out of my father's hand I and the father are one you know when you come under this new ownership 
Jesus takes hold of you. He gives you the Spirit and He will never let go. There may be days you wake up and you go, I don't know if I want to hold on to Him. Fine. He will never let go of you. I think of the song when the song my family we hear on the radio on Caleb's there. My kids sing it. So the song, Oh no, you never let go. Um, that's the only line we remember, but it's true. Um, when God takes hold of you, the song is true. Oh no, you never let go. I may let go. I may have a bad day, a bad week, a bad something, but you know what? If He redeemed you, if you believe in Him, He's taken hold of you. He owns you. He'll never let go. Um, the word you can put off to the side on this is redeemed. Um, some of you know redeemed. What does redeemed mean? To, to buy back. It's like um, we still have a few what, of those uh, Coke bottles or Pepsi bottles that are made out of glass, right? Any of you remember those when you were a kid? No, it's all plastic. No, but uh, the way it works is uh, if you have one of those glass bottles and you live in a state where they redeem glass bottles, how, how does the deal work? You, you give them the bottle and they give you, you know, like 10 cents and they redeem the bottle. They keep it. It comes under a new ownership. You know, and if you believe in Jesus and He gave His blood for you, well, He gets you. You come under new ownership. You've been redeemed and it's an awesome thing. It's irreversible. It's irrevocable. Um, the next thing though, but with a new owner, our new master, our Lord, our owner has a new mission. We did a whole, a whole teaching on this several weeks ago. A new mission. And that mission is to reach the world with the love of Jesus Christ. With the message of what Jesus has done. And how people can have eternal life. Um, and that's a new mission that we have been given. Let's see, it's part of the makeover. A new mission. Also, to get a new spirit. It says, uh, this verse in Ephesians is, you know, in, in the book of Acts, you see a description of history as it was recorded. But other places you see more clear doctrine laid out and prescribed to us in Acts. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 has one section that talks about this. It says, one um, thirteen and 14 says, And you were, in, were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. When you come to believe in Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit as a seal of the deal. The Holy Spirit marks your ownership um, by Christ, but the Holy Spirit also guarantees what is to come. The Holy Spirit is with you. It says that the Holy Spirit is with us forever. But you receive the Spirit. So sometimes it's like we become this new creation, we've got this new game plan, we've got this new everything, and then we walk out the door and fall flat on our face and walk into the same temptation, the same sin again. Um, but in this new, this new makeover that we have, we have God's Spirit to help us. One, to help us overcome in the first place. When you walk out the door and face temptation, you don't have to give in to it like you might have done in the past. The other thing the Holy Spirit can do is give you a new sensitivity uh, when you've done something wrong and help you be humble about it and repent. You know, it's not all about, I'm this new made-over person and I'm just perfect. We're just perfect for the rest of our lives. We've given the, the ability to um, change things. So, you know, I think in my own life when I received Christ and there were some things that, that changed instantly. You know, I, I stopped getting drunk. You know, it seemed to make sense. I wasn't getting drunk so much. I stopped um, being sexually immoral in, in relationships and, and stopped that all of a sudden. I cold turkey on a few things. I went to a bar once in Fort Collins. Uh, some of you might have heard of it. It's called Washington's up there. And uh, 
I used to go there. I had been drunk there before, probably numerous times. I don't remember. But, um, but anyways, I went there once after becoming a Christian and with my old friends. In the kind of old scenario, bad equations, of trouble, you know, a good equations, bad things, whatever. But, um, but anyways, I showed up there and I just had this sense inside me, you know what? I don't belong with people getting drunk and doing dumb things. That's not me anymore. God gave me a distaste for it, and I never went back. You know, some other things I think about, um, um, you know, playing basketball. I've shared the story before, but uh, when I was, before I came to receive Christ into my life, I loved basketball. It was one of my passions in life, but you would not have wanted to play basketball with me unless you were on my team. If I was playing against you, I was a nasty person. You know, my goal was just to get under your skin, get you agitated so that you'd miss your shots and I would make mine. I might say a few swear words. I might say a few sarcastic, snide remarks. But when I became a new creation, I realized, you know, my old game's probably got to go. I'm going to figure out a new game. I remember I was in a club at a Fort Collins club up there in Fort Collins. I was in a basketball league and we were playing this game and I was having one of those games and it was just awesome. You know, I could not miss. It was like... I'm going to heaven, this is a good deal, you know, God is blessing my basketball game, but but I was playing, this guy was guarding me, he was a pretty big guy, he was taller than I was, and uh, he started getting frustrated, I tried to get him frustrated, and and I did, and I was scoring on him, I scored left-handed, right-handed, I was just, and I was talking to him, like, oh, take that, and oh, what you got, and all this cool things, and um, but when the game was over, we won, and, uh, and so it was a good deal, but inside me, I knew... I, was, I had not won with Christ and he'd given me a new sensitivity and so I'm thinking okay well I'm forgiven I'm out of here but he put this thought on my heart there's a guy sitting over there at the bar with his team um, you need to go seek forgiveness and I was just like no 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 I'm forgiven I'm a new creation but not that and um, and I remember it's like my body was walking without me just scooted over to the bar and you know, I came up to the guy and I just said, you know, I was a real jerk to you out on the, on the basketball court there. I recently became a Christian. I'm sorry for treating you that way. And, and I left. You know, and his friends were kind of snickering and getting another beer and things like that. But, you know, it's not so much that you're going to be perfect in every situation, but now you have the Holy Spirit to help, help you make some things right when you can. Maybe when you do something wrong, you're going to seek forgiveness or something crazy like that, you know. And it's a a new life, it's a total makeover, it's not about perfection, um, but there's times where you, you might be called to go and make something right, you know, and so um, and God's giving you a spirit to help you know about that, to help you have the power to do that. Uh, oops, so did I miss the last few points here? I think the last couple of verses we had was, the blanks are, I think, um, also giving you a new a new life, I'd say a new eternity is the blank you could put down there. John 3.16 God so loved the world He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's a new life and it's an eternal one. It's a life connected in relationship with God that will never end. Eternal life. The last blank we have there is um, if you come to believe in Jesus Christ you get all these awesome things in your makeover, but you also do in some way, I guess you could say, you get a home makeover here as well. You get a new home. Jesus, Jesus said this. The final uh, promise we'll look at here. But John 14, 2. 
2 and 3 uh, it says in my father's house are many rooms if it were not so I would have told you I am going there to prepare a place for you if I go and prepare a place for you I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am part of the extreme makeover is you get a new home for eternity with Christ in heaven I love how he says that you come to believe in Christ as your Savior you receive Him as your Lord He says to you um, I'm going to prepare a place for you I will come back and take you to be with me so that we can be in relationship for eternity there and so that's, a, that's an awesome part of this extreme makeover but all of this hinges the crux of the matter and if you believe that Jesus died for you and you receive Him and uh, we're just going to pray here and be done this morning. Because we'll just bow your heads and, you know, just, just to share as, as your heads are bowed. You know, some of you, you might be um, like this Roman centurion, maybe not brought up in a church background, maybe not having it figured out. I just want you to know that I'm, that Jesus died for you as well. He died for everyone. Um, and if you believe maybe somewhere along the way you've been coming to church or you've been trying to figure this out but if you believe he died for you um, then all you have to do is pray to Jesus and thank him for dying for you you know D.L. Moody used to tell people if you believe he died for you thank him right here and now thank Jesus for dying for you you can invite him onto the throne of your heart at his rightful place as the Lord has purchased you on the throne of your heart you can ask Him to take the throne of your heart ask Him to help you follow Him for the rest of your life and right there just in doing that in believing and receiving Christ you'll go through the most extreme makeup you can ever imagine we'll just look at it we'll, we'll just pray here to close from God Lord Jesus we do thank you I thank you for dying on the cross for me Lord I know there's many in here who believe you died for them Lord, I pray that every everyone here in this room and in our church family would believe that you died for them that because you loved them, because you wanted a relationship with them now and for eternity. Lord, I pray that uh, there would be no one that would have to appear before you as judge having rejected your loving work on the cross. Lord, um, we, just, we just thank you together. We thank you for uh, that the gospel has such an extreme makeover on our souls and on our lives. Um, Thank you for doing that for us and Jesus. All right. Thank you guys for coming this morning. Next week we're going to continue Acts chapter 11. Thanks again.